Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. While I've never had Jack Kerouac, author of On the Road, on the show, my guests have the same passion for cross-country road trips. Bonnie and Grant Sinclair are a couple of lifelong wanderers and authors of the new book, USA RV Adventures, published by Avalon Moon. It's a guide and on-the-road resource with driving directions, attractions, restaurants, campgrounds, not-to-miss sites, and more. And the book is available at Amazon and all the usual places. For everything about Bonnie and Grant Sinclair, you can follow them on their adventures at WonderFilledLife. That's W-A-N-D-E-R, WonderFilledLife.com. And on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. And Grant, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me on. First thing I have to tell you right off the bat is, as I think of RV cross-country adventures, the first thing, because I'm that way, is the price of fuel. So how do you cope with that and then have the fun that you obviously have going around the country and writing about this book? I, I tell you, because we've done cost analysis on our, our travels and everything with RVs over multiple trips. And I have to say, some years, some summers, it's really quite cost effective. Some, it just hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I, I would say honestly, the the best way to deal with with gas, other than you know making sure that your vehicle is maintained and all the normal things, is once you find a good spot in terms of a campground, stay there for a while and take you know quick trips out from it using your tow or towed vehicle. Oh, that's a good that's a good idea. I would think also that even if the cost of fuel is high, that you have to balance it off the experience. So that, you know, you're, you're foregoing other things in order to do this. So perhaps you don't have another shiny new car or you don't buy another house or there's other things you cut back on, I assume, in order to make this work for you and for your wife. It's, it's funny you say that because my wife and I have shared a single vehicle, our truck, since, gosh, we got married in 2010. And we've had a single vehicle that entire time. And that's one of the ways that we save money to be able to travel like we do. When you met Bonnie, were you both at that point interested in, I don't want to say the RV life, but really traveling with an RV around the country? Because it's more than an RV. What you guys write about is obviously the places you go to, not so much the fact that you have an RV. That's part of it. But the larger issue is the adventure or the adventures that you and Bonnie have? We have always been interested in travel. That was one of the things that really brought us together as a couple. When we first started dating, within a few months, we took a road trip up to the Outer Banks. And it was that summer. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. When you say the Outer Banks, you have to be a little bit more specific. What Outer Banks? <laughs> the Outer Banks of North Carolina, right. uh, Cape Hatteras. And we had a blast out there visiting the National Seashore, the Wright Brothers National Memorial, and just generally enjoying the coastal area of the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Had a, you know, that was our first trip together. And then that summer, we went out to Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Parks, and we tent camped the whole way. 
And that's how we really were, got into, you know, serious road tripping was with a tent. And as we got older, our backs did not enjoy sleeping <laughs> on the ground nearly as much as they did when we were younger. Right. <laughs> and so it was definitely a let's go ahead and get a a camper so that not only can we stay out longer and go some of the places that we couldn't go with a tent in the summer, like Arizona and New Mexico, and that we could get out and enjoy some of the hotter places in the summer because we're taking air conditioning and shade with us. Right. The creature comforts are with you. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Do you ever look at it and say, you know, this kind of adventure or adventures is multiple, and we'll talk about the book in a second, but I'm just interested in this part of it. This kind of adventure or adventures really puts the test of the relationship on the front burner. In other words, you have to get along with each other because it's easy to not get along with each other if you're living at home and Bonnie could do one thing and Grant could do another thing, but you're out with yourselves. And sometimes only yourselves. Sometimes, yes, in a campground, you're with other people. So that puts the relationship to the test. Do you have any recommendations for people who want to try this, but at the same time, you want to make sure that their relationship is solid and that both parties agree that this will be an adventure and there will be ups and downs? I would say my biggest recommendation is start small. Take short trips, see how well you travel together to begin with, and start working out that that language and also that sense of shared responsibility. My wife, Bonnie, is very big on RV forums and stuff like that. She's always on there commenting and, and stuff along those lines. And one of the things that drives her nuts from that perspective <laughs> is she sees all of these wives who who say, oh, no, I, I never drive the RV. That's always my husband's job. And she's she feels like I do that this is very much a joint project and we do it all together. Yes, we divide and conquer on some things, but it's always a joint effort as we are going along. And to be fair, one of the reasons why we did the trip to Yellowstone to begin with, with a tent, is to see how well we got along with each other. And we had that moment. Oh, we had that moment <laughs> in Grand Teton National Park. We got up early to watch the sunrise to, to you know, allow me to get my, my Ansel Adams on and take some, a lot of sunrise pictures in, in this beautiful landscape. And by about 11.30, I, my blood sugar was starting to drop, and I was getting a bit hangry. And we were hunting for a picnic area that wasn't full, and that turned out to be a challenge. And we were snapping at each other. We were arguing pretty good, and we re- that was an important lesson for us, that we both get that way and have snacks. Absolutely. Maintain the blood sugar level. Yeah. I mean, to yep. me, that's common sense. But I understand if you're not if you're not thinking about it before, all of a sudden, hey, wait a minute, this is important to maintain the relationship. Yeah, if you remember those um, those Snickers commercials where it's, you know, they're talking about the guy who transforms into this angry beast. <laughs> it, you know, it's like, here, have a Snickers. That was me. And, and very much Bonnie knows that uh, when my blood sugar starts dropping like that here, 
have a snack, <laughs> yeah, exactly. have some food, you'll be okay. Yeah, the Hulk <laughs> you've turned in. Very into. much. <laughs> so when did, how did you guys decide, after all these wonderful adventures, to write this book, which again, it's called USA RV Adventures, published by Avalon Moon. And it's really a comprehensive guide to a lot of, I keep using the word adventures, but I guess you have to call it that because you never know what you're going to find. And yes, there are some areas that you know what you'll see, but along the way, things happen, and it is an adventure, which sounds great. And I obviously, again, you have to be realistic. There's ups and downs. Things happen. You, you meet obnoxious people. There's medical issues. There's that old blood sugar level again, which you seem to have solved. So, uh, But when did you decide to write the book on all of these different trips? So back in 2021, we got a a message from one of our dear friends, Becky Lomax. And Becky is an author for Moon. And she writes their Yellowstone and then their National Parks guides and stuff like that. So we've become close friends over social media through the years. And she said, hey, they're really looking to get into the RV world in terms of a guidebook. And they asked me, do you know anybody who does this? And we <laughs> said, you know, she said to us, you're the only people I know. So, hey, are you interested? And we said, <laughs> yes, we'd be crazy to do this. But yes, we're interested. And did you write it on the road or did you write it when you were back home at uh, at the base? Or we both. wrote most of it back home at the base. We live outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and we teach full time. That's our that's our day to day gig. And it was we come home from work, sit down at the computer, and work for a few more hours, knocking out part of a chapter. And it was very much okay. We're writing about a chapter a week, and nice. that's how we pushed through it. Yeah. Did you have a division of labor in the writing, or did you both do the same chapter? We had a division of labor in the writing. We would basically take a, you know, one of us would take a particular chapter and write it, and the other one would go through and research all of the details of that particular chapter. For example, the, the websites and times things are open and, you know, the campground information and stuff along those lines. And in doing that, we would get in and, you know, really be able to cross check each other. So as soon as she got done writing, for example, I would turn around and edit her work and she would go through and double check all of my phone numbers and addresses and all that stuff. So would the fact checker at the publishing house have to replicate your visits? Um, the fact checker wouldn't have to uh, necessarily replicate the visits. The fact checker would be more about looking to make sure that things like, okay, does your mileage add up when you're including these different routings? Does your uh, Is the website right? Is the phone number right? Are the hours right as best as we can make it? Because legitimately some of the uh the hours would get very uh would change even sure, in the that midst makes of sense. us writing like yeah. when, when we would go back and it's like okay we need to fix this because the hours have now changed yeah no nothing stays the same so it works out right uh, just a side note uh, do you have that america's pass where you can get into national parks 
Yes, I do. I actually have a um, the military pass because I'm an Army veteran. And uh, one of the things that, that has changed recently is the National Parks is offering a free pass to all military members and veterans, as well as Gold Star families. And it's a lifetime pass. And uh, I highly recommend to anyone who has served to the next time you go by a national park, have with you uh, your veteran's driver's license or a copy of your discharge papers, so, you know, the DD-214, mm-hmm. so that you can get that pass. And it is more than worth it, even if you have to spend the, you know, the I think it's up to 90 bucks now. But the 90 bucks, you can easily make up for that in a year uh, on many of these trips. And I actually outline on most of them, you know, whether or not to get the pass or not and how much money you will save. So there's a lot of practical advice as well as just the concept of of these various trips and visits that you lay out in the book, which is a great read. Is there one favorite route or route? I use both of those for our audience because some people say route and some people say route. Are there some favorite routes or routes that you and Bonnie have? Absolutely. The one I'm, I, I will say, the Grand Loop for the Western National Parks w- is close to my heart. Honestly, my editors at Moon kind of fought me on it, and I fought back and said, no, no, no. Even though that this route is 33 days long, this is the vacation route. And when they saw it and they read it, they were like, no, we agree. If you could only ever do one you know, trip, this is the trip. The other one I will say that's really close to my heart is the Best of the Dakotas Loop. And it starts in the Black Hills of South Dakota. We spend a good amount of time in South Dakota, but we also head up into the Badlands and then up into the Badlands in North Dakota and then back into Wyoming to visit Devil's Tower. And that area is near and dear to my heart. Uh, We spent all of the summer of 2020 there and just had a blast. Could not recommend that area enough. Do you think that in 20 years from now, you and Bonnie will be writing a book on how to crisscross across the country as seniors and how to use various facilities and adaptive strategies in order to do that? Because you sound like you both of you have that sense of adventure in you that will last a lifetime. We are going to keep traveling until we physically just can't do it anymore. And you making a good use of adaptive technology, whatever that is in 20 years, because how much technology has improved in terms of RVs just in the last five years blows me away. We recently went to an RV show and the stuff that we're seeing in RVs it was unheard of when we bought ours back in 2016. So it, it really has changed significantly in the last few years. And we're really excited to see where it's going. Do you recommend for first timers, first time RVers to rent an RV and try it out for a weekend, maybe two weekends, maybe three weekends. And then if they're definitely sold on it, then maybe purchase an RV because you also hear stories about RVs where there's a warranty for an RV that you buy, but there's 90 million warranties depending on the part of the RV that is at issue. So I always recommend renting first. If you've never rented an RV, if you've never been in an RV, 
go rent one so that you can see what it actually is and what it's like to be in one. Even if you're on the fence on renting, because they're not exactly cheap to rent. If you're on the fence about renting, go to an RV sales bit and walk around and see what they have inside them. Because for some folks, they might be really surprised at how comfortable an RV is and how many amazing features they have. Rent that RV and then, you know, understand what it is you're looking at when you go to buy one. And a lot, yes, you're going to run into problems just like on a house, just like on a car. And there's a lot of systems on an RV, which, you know, some of them are going to work really well. And then some of them (laughs) might break down on you. But hey, the, the reality of it is it's a great lifestyle and it's worth the small hassles that we have had to overcome in terms of dealing it. We've had breakdowns on the road. We've had to get welders to fix, you know, hanging brackets on our suspension. So we, we, we understand that aspect of it and we're still getting out on the road and doing it more. So that's two things that you did a cost benefit analysis. One was the cost of fuel and the other one was the cost of aggravation from things going haywire. Which anything and, and does. And just the general cost of ownership. Yeah, so, oh, yes, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I actually did the cost analysis of tent camping versus RV camping versus staying in a hotel. And believe it or not, RV camping is definitely cheaper than staying in a hotel. <laughs> That's true. Uh, at least for us in terms of cost of right. ownership. And especially when we can get in and find some of the these really good campsites on public lands that, you know, hey, you can sit there and camp for a week and it's only going to cost you 10 or 15 bucks a night. Yeah, that's excellent. Do you have any advice for a couple that the husband wants to try it and the wife is not interested because the idea of a hotel room sounds much more appealing or vice versa? Do you have any advice? (laughs) <laughs> you are describing my good friends, Billy and Shannon, so, <laughs> right now. And Billy was all for it. Shannon was not so hot on it. But after a few times getting out camping, Shannon has come on board and she really enjoys the experience. So I would just say to the wife or the husband who's reluctant on it, don't be afraid to get out and try it. It really is a wonderful lifestyle. And they really are quite comfortable. You mentioned adaptive technologies and even down the road 20 years from now, when you went to your last RV convention, or even if people go to an RV lot now, are there RVs where, for example, you have mobility issues and you can get into the RV through a leverage system or some sort of lift system? I have not seen one yet. It's not to say that they don't exist. I just haven't seen one yet. But the... Again, that's not something I've really been looking for, so that wouldn't right. necessarily be resonating in the back of my head. In 20 years, you might be looking for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. In 20 years, I very much might be looking for it. There's a part of the book that you see throughout that's called Know Before You Go. And I think that's important because preparation is key to enjoyment. From my point of view, I would imagine for you and Bonnie, it's the same thing. Indeed. And when we're traveling, it's really disheartening to get somewhere and think, oh, if I had known about this ahead of time, (laughs) I could have planned that. I could have 
brought water shoes to go whitewater rafting in, or I could have, if I'd known there was a cave here, I would have made sure to bring clothing that I haven't taken into another cave or, you know, a sweater to wear because, you know, typically caves are 45 to 50 degrees. And dark. Yes. Or <laughs> bring a <and> flashlight. <laughs> not just one. Yes. Two. That's right. The, the bit from the Rangers is if you have one source of light, you have zero. Exactly. <laughs> one is nothing. Two is one, as they like exactly. to say. Yeah. The idea of preparation is important, whether you're in the tent, as you started out with body, or whether you're in an RV and you're traveling and you have the creature comforts that you have, but you still have to be prepared for weather, for accessibility of fuel, for accessibility of food and water, and also just knowing what the hours of operation are if you're going to a particular attraction. And as you said, if you want to go white water rafting, you have to know, hey, I better bring some, some shoes, some water shoes. So that's, that's all very important stuff. So did you learn a lot of that by trial and error? Very much by trial and error. On some of our trips, we definitely got somewhere and realized, oh, we're woefully unprepared and either needed to purchase something or scramble to find a reservation. You know, depending on what you're doing or where you're going, you're going to find some of the activities, the reservations for them filled up months ago, which is incredibly frustrating. Another, you know, we make a point to include in the book you know, reservations that you need to do ahead of time and, you know, try and give a good time period on when you need to incorporate those reservations into your planning. Sure. It could be weeks or it could be, in your case, months, as you mentioned earlier. And I'm, I would imagine in some cases a year before if it's a very important attraction. In, in terms of camping in the national parks, I'm a firm believer that pay attention to when the camping becomes available because a lot of those campsites fill up very fast. What was the most harrowing experience that you and Bonnie had in all of your adventures? I'm sure, because we talked earlier about ups and downs, I'm sure that besides a strain on the relationship, if you're not committed to each other and committed to what you're doing, there's got to be the external forces that come into play. Maybe it's a wild animal that comes into the RV or near the RV, or a drunk comes by and bangs on your door in the middle of the night, something like that. We haven't had the drunk come by, <laughs> but we have had the wild animal experience. And I, I will relay this as both a cautionary tale and something to say, don't be too afraid, but just know what you're getting into. Bonnie and I went hiking in Theodore Roosevelt National Park in the north unit of it. And we were doing probably one of our favorite loop trails, the Caprock Cooley Loop. Can you, can you say that three times real fast? Caprock Cooley Loop, Caprock Cooley Loop, Caprock Cooley Loop. Very good. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's this beautiful trail that wanders through the Badlands of North Dakota with views of the Upper Missouri River. And we're hiking along and we're on this knife's edge ridge which has a, a, a well-placed bench to where you can sit and admire the views. And we look down and we see, hey, there's a herd of bison down there. And we're like, okay, cool. And these bison are a ways away. And we keep on hiking and keep on hiking. And we come out of the bush and lo and behold, there's the bison. And they're probably 
at this point, 100 to 150 yards away, which is well outside of the safety distance for that particular animal. Uh, you know, typically the parks say, hey, stay 30 to 40 yards away. We were way over that, more than a football field away. And we stopped to kind of look at them because they're standing on the trail. And we're not sure what to do at this point. And we take a moment and I take some pictures and everything's hunky-dory. And then something, us, spooks the bison. And they go running off to the left. Okay, no problem. And then we see them and they come running off to the right. And we're like, uh, okay. And then they come running back and they're running straight towards us. And we are, I look at Bonnie and I say, run. And we run for the sidewall. We climb about 10 feet up on the sidewall of this canyon. And we're watching as this herd of 30 or 40 bison come careening by and thinking if we had been on the ground, we would have been trampled. There, There's no getting around that. And we waited and we waited and there were a few holdouts that were waiting for us to disappear. <laughs> so we very cautiously ran across the canyon floor, got to the other side, hid in some trees, waited for them to come by and then kept going. And needless to say, Bonnie was suitably rattled and I was as well. That was the scariest wildlife encounter we've ever run into. We keep going down the trail, and what do we find standing in the middle of the trail, right at a signpost, but a large bull bison who's just <laughs> looking at us as scratching himself on this post. And we're like, oh, great. So I tell Bonnie, he said, stay here. I'm going to move around and scout out a way to, to circle around this bison and use our mapping app we make good use of all trails and we download the topographical map and my time in the army i can read topographical maps pretty well so i i'm up there looking bonnie comes up next to me and we managed to scoot on by away from the bison through the bushes across this this I'm not going to say ravine, but it's definitely this large crack that we had to jump over in through the thick brush, got onto the trail again, keep on going. It's maybe, maybe, you know, a quarter of a mile to the end of the trail. And Bonnie, because we had been having this conversation earlier in the, in the day, and she was asking me, what kind of wild animals do I still want to see out on the trail away from everything? And I said everything from bison to moose and all this, and, you know, and, and, and as, you know, as I'm walking by and said, well, you know, the usual suspects, I'd love to see a wolf mountain lion from a reasonable distance, but I don't want to be in my car when I see it. I want to see it out in the wild. And, you know, I, I said, and of course, we still have never seen a rattlesnake on a trail. And she goes, you shut your mouth. You shut your <laughs> mouth right now. We are not done with this trail yet. And sure enough, just before we get to the parking lot, there's a couple people over there and they're saying, watch out. There's a rattlesnake in the grass right there. We sneak around and sure enough, there was a rattlesnake. So based on your experience, uh, what is your tip for people? <laughs> just be careful, right? My, my tip is talk to park rangers 
because these guys deal with the wildlife all the time and they know what to do, what not to do around wildlife. And the other part to understand is this isn't a zoo. The, the, these are wild animals in their home, their environment. Yeah, their element. And yeah. we're guests. And I'm not upset about the, the, the bison getting spooked by me. I'm actually upset about the fact that I spooked them, mm-hmm. that, that I disturbed them in their nat- natural environment. And I thought we were being good and being, you know, a, a football field's length away. But, you know, you'll also find that sometimes animals just don't care. Yeah, they, they have their own life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, the flip side to that is we've run into bears on the trail in Yosemite, or not Yosemite, in Yellowstone National Park. And the the bear just wanted to use the footpath that we were on. And we we said hi to the bear. The bear looked at us, walked up a hill about, you know, 30 yards, came walking parallel to the trail, and then walked back down and got on the trail and kept going. And... <laughs> I'm not, we didn't freak out. We had bear spray ready. We were doing exactly what we were, we should have been doing in terms of of dealing with the wild animal. And the bear was perfectly content to, to let us be. And you know, that that's kind of my attitude towards dealing with wildlife when I'm in their environment, I'm going to let you be if you let me be. No, that makes sense. I would have used the, my Bison app. And that way I would, I would have avoided that whole thing there. <laughs> so next time you got to use the Bison app. So before I let you go, what's the, the most important thing you want people to take away from your book? Again, it's called USA RV Adventures. What's the most important thing you want for people to take away? The biggest thing I would love people to to do and take away with this particular book is that it is a guide. It is by no means a rigid itinerary. Nothing in this book is meant to be taken exactly in that particular order. Feel free to take longer than we put into the book. Feel free. If something doesn't interest you to cut that out, you know, we're doing our best to give you a variety of experiences along the way. If something is not your bit, don't feel obligated. Find your own path. It's a guidebook. It's meant to guide you along, but not dictate what you need to do. And when it comes to RVing, slow down, stop, and smell the roses, as it were. And um, and the bison. And the bison. And, and truly, truly just... Take your time and enjoy these places because it's your national parks. It's your public lands. It's your state parks. It's your country to get out and see and love and enjoy. So take your time in it and really experience it. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Grant Sinclair. He and his wife, Bonnie, are a couple of lifelong wanderers, and they are authors of the new book, USA RV Adventures. It's published by Avalon Moon. It's a guide and on-the-road resource with driving directions, attractions, restaurants, campgrounds, not-to-miss sites, and more. And the book is available at Amazon and all the usual places. 
For everything about Bonnie and Grant Sinclair, you can follow them on their adventures at wanderfilledlife.com. And you can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. And Grant, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It has been such a pleasure. Same here. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.